So what we remember, we need to remember in prophecy that God all along, he's teaching us foundational truth. Foundational truth literally began in Genesis 3 and verse 15 to 21. We see it where it said that the, the serpent would crush the heel of the seed of the woman, and that's Christ, brought out in Luke 1 and verse 35 and Genesis 4, I mean in Galatians 4 and verse 4, the seed of the woman would, would bruise the heel. That spoke of Christ's humanity on Calvary, but he would crush the head of the serpent, and that's brought out where he has crushed, for us in Christ, he's crushed the enemy's power. In, in Hebrews 9 and verses 14 and 15, it's brought out crystal clear. But Genesis, what we need to remember is God, even in Genesis, is working out the eternal reality. We, he's working out e eternal realities in time because even the word Genesis, when we see Genesis, that's when time began. That's why in John 1 verse 1, we see in the beginning, which is eternity past, as, like, as much as we try to understand that. In eternity past, the Word. The Word was God and the Word with God. That's eternity. And that is the viewpoint that God saw all of us in Christ not bypassing our will, but our will meeting His. And that's what, what Genesis is the beginning of time because that Genesis means literally it's the book of beginnings. It's Bereshit. It's Bereshit in the Hebrew. It's the beginning. So God in time, this is what makes time so important for us to understand that God is bringing out, even in Genesis, in seed form, in seed form, he's bringing out eternal realities in time. That's what makes time so important. In 1 Corinthians 7, 29, the time is short. We're to redeem the time in Ephesians 5 and verse 16. Because the days that we live in right now, that evil that began in Genesis, the third chapter, is working its way through. And we can see right where we are today. We can see it crystal clear. In Ephesians 5 and verse 16, redeeming the time, buying the time back in our lives. That's what God's doing. So it makes time so important. He's buying it back. He must first buy it back in me because, because if I don't function in Christ and I don't know who I am in him positionally, then the only experience that I can, do, can go to is the flesh. There's where the evil is. So what it says in Ephesians 5 and verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word evil there is the Greek word poneros. Honoros. And what that word means, it's infectious evil, an active opposition to God's divine will. See that? God's divine will. So you see the conflict that happened in eternity based upon Isaiah 14, especially verses 9 to 17. And then we see in Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, in verse 15, down through, we see that eternal, that conflict that happened in eternity entered into time in Genesis 3, 1 through 6. And now we have this conflict. And the enemy comes against us. He's against 
you and I experiencing and functioning in Christ because he cannot touch our position. Sin, we've said before, does not touch my relationship with God. And even loving chastisement proves it. In Proverbs 3, 10 and 11 and uh, 10, 11 and 12, and why it says it in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4, right to the end of the chapter. And so, redeeming the time, because the days that we live are what? Evil. They're evil. Now, so God is bringing out, we can even know, we're going to find out, literally, honestly, that what is going on, and we're going to bring this out, we'll know the people groups, the tribes, the countries, the names of the cities, where they are, how they're functioning, like what's going on in Russia right now against Ukraine. The Bi- and we're going to get into it, but the Bible makes it crystal clear. Russia will not stop with, in cahoots with China, to which they already are completely united right now. Completely. Completely. They're completely united. We'll see those truths in, in Ezekiel, the 38th and 39th chapters. We'll see where China is mentioned in Revelation 16 and verse 12. We'll see this. But don't think that Russia's stopping at Ukraine because he's not. And don't think even those NATO nations that seem to be, they're going to be ultimately in cahoots with him because that's the old Roman Empire that was never defeated. And we'll get into the specifics of this. And there were 10 nations. If there's 13 that want to come, it's going to be reduced down to 10. And then with those 21 Arab nations all coming against Israel, because Russia will not stop because the enemy's eyes are on Israel, on the earth. That's prophecy. But can he touch you and I in our heavenly position? No. Sin can't even because Christ has dealt with it. But he goes after our experience. This is what makes necessary to understand first and foremost, before I try and understand prophecy, I need to have that solid foundation that Christ is in me as an individual. And that's why when, it's, when we have this prophetic truth, all through there, all through there, and we're not to skip, and God doesn't want us to, because we're going to continue to build ourselves up on our most holy faith, keeping ourselves in the love of God in Jude 20 and 21, to continue to build on the foundation in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11 properly, Properly, because our foundation that's finished has everything to do with who Christ is in you and I. The enemy can't touch my position in Christ because we're heavenly. But boy, does he want to go after us experientially. And there is where, in John 10, 10a, the thief comes to what? You think he just he's going to stop at stealing? Do you think so? Do you th- think so? No, steal. To what? To kill and destroy. That's what's going on right now in Russia. We're watching prophecy be fulfilled. I mean, we are watching it. Listen, already, already, Russia and China are one. Boy, oh boy. And their military might, oh boy. We'll get, into, we'll get into certain things. Like, we'll see America. We'll just touch on a little bit now, but we'll get into some truth. You'll see where America, in, uh, in Jeremiah 50, verse 11, describing it, 
like no other nation in the 37th verse of Jeremiah. We're going to see, too, in, in detail. Well, ultimately, and I don't know where we'll be at time, but there will be a nuclear strike from Russia to America. The scriptures bring it out. What is he threatening right now? He's using it. Now, will the earth ever be destroyed by man? Of course not. That's Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 4. Isaiah 50, uh, 40, 5, 17, and Ephesians 3, 21. The earth itself will never be destroyed. It will be changed, yes. Now, God first changed the surface of the earth through the flood, which spoke of a judgment. The second time that when he prepares it for eternity, and remember the promise of the rainbow in Genesis 9 and verses 13 and 14 is the promise, the pledge of God, and God doesn't lie, Titus 1, 2 and Hebrews 6, 18 and Numbers 23 and verse 19, God doesn't lie. He'll never again destroy the earth by water, by flood, but he will baptize the earth in 2 Peter 3 and verse 13 with fire. Now, in both cases... There was the old done away with in judgment, but out of it came new life. <laughs> That's how we're to see it in both cases. One is to, the preparation of time to, to realize eternal truths, the first one in the flood. The second one is to prepare us for an eternal reign with Christ. And that, again, is 2 Peter 3 and verse 13. So when we see these things, they are incredible they are amazing, and they're necessary. Now, remember what we said here, and I'm gonna, again, I'm going to read from a, a lot of uh, what God had to interpret to me from the Hebrew, and I'm, I'll read it as, as best as I can. Um, not being a Hebrew scholar, and of course, I'll leave that up to the Holy Spirit. He always does a better job than any man can ever do. And so, but we see that the old world, even in the judgment, was brought out. That was a work of mercy and grace for God to continue mankind on the earth because Satan didn't want it because ultimately out of man, out of a woman, would be the seed that would come and destroy him. And even in the judgment of the earth, it was God and his love, grace, and mercy. And you know, wouldn't you know, he had you and I in mind, personally. This is what makes this truth so incredible. So we see that the whole earth began to be corrupted by man. That's brought out, we brought it out in Genesis 6, verse 5, and Genesis 8 and verse 21. The thought of man, his purpose, his design, his whole plan was only evil continually, unchangeable from day to day, from day to day. And so God sent the flood. He sent the flood because when, and when God judges people and, and they die, do they cease to exist? Answer to the lie of annihilationism? No. Death never means extinction. It always speaks of separation. Because in Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 14, whatsoever God does, he does forever. And since he created man in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, in Genesis 5 and verse 2, since he created man in his image, man is going to be somewhere forever, either in heaven or in hell, and ultimately cast into the lake of fire. These truths are brought out 
at the end of Revelations, the 19th chapter, where the beast and false prophet are, and ultimately where Satan and all those that are in hell refusing God's call for salvation and resisting it uh, will be all with them in Revelations 20, is, uh, which verse 6 says the second death is brought out when they're cast into the lake of fire. But for us in Christ, in Romans 6, 9, he that dies once in Christ dies what? No more. <laughs> See, so we're to build on this foundation to explain this prophecy. So because all flesh had done what? It destroyed its way. We brought out those scriptures. Again, uh, again, man's goings are of the Lord in Proverbs 20, 24. How is it then that a man can understand his own way? Again, it's brought out in Jeremiah 10, 23. Oh God, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man to direct his steps. So our steps speak of our walk in this world system on our way to our heavenly Canaan. And our steps in Psalm 37 and verse 23 are ordained, ordered of the Lord, and those steps are the steps that Christ has already walked through this earth in 1 Peter 2 and verse 21. We walk right in his steps. Positional truth now entering into our experience. So we know that the ark, again, that was a type and we went into that. We also went into the fact that on the only window, the only way for them to look was up. Their view was heavenly. Heavenly. Their view was heavenly, just like our view is heavenly because in Ephesians, the epistle of Ephesians, we are a heavenly people. Prophecy has to do with what? The earth. <laughs> we are above it in Christ. And that again is bringing out 2 Peter 1, 17 to 21. But there was a door in the side of the ark. This is teaching foundational truth. There was a door, the ark itself is a picture of Christ, but there was a door in the side of the ark. Do you remember when the soldiers pierced Jesus after he was dead? Where did they pierce him? In John 19, verse 34. They pierced him in the side, and all that came out was blood and water. Blood. Very important, this word blood. There was, was teaching that we received and uh, that was tried, trying to get in, and thank God he didn't allow that in, into my experience where the blood of Christ was no different than your blood and my blood, which is absolutely a lie. Absolutely a lie. And we're going to see it as we go on. The life of the flesh in Leviticus 17, verse 11, is in the blood. Now, the blood of the first Adam that was passed on, that's Romans 5, 12, right to the end of the chapter, but right through verse 19. The blood of the first Adam was polluted. Could there be, if Christ had blood as the lamb, could there be any stain or pollution in it? Did not it have to be without blemish? You see that in the types in Exodus, the 12th chapter, those first 13 verses. You see that crystal clear in the types. Also brought out with the red heifer, in, in, in uh, Numbers 19, 1 and 2. And when you see that, some would say, well, how does that refer to Christ if it's a, if it's a female sacrificial animal in type? That just spoke of what? Submission. 
He was submitted in his humanity to God because as God, in, in, in virtue of his deity, he never had to submit to anybody, but in his humanity, he did. That's the type in Revelations 19, 1 and 2. That's the ark. But the door was in the side. There was a door. You know, even where it says, there, there is the door of hope in Hosea 2 and verse 15. And he's speaking to the nation of Israel in prophecy. He's saying there's a door of hope. Now, Jesus in John 10, 7 and 9 is that door. He's the only door. Furthermore, he's the key that unlocks all the scriptures in Isaiah 22 and verse 22. He unlocks all the mysteries, the mystery truth. In Ephesians 3, chapter 3 and verses 4, 5, all the way through 8, he unlocks it. That's what he's doing with us in time. He's redeeming the time with eternal realities about our position in Christ to bring in a proper experience and to know the seasons, to know them and how close we are. Because it's even at the door. You can see that in Matthew 24, verses 9 to 33. Crystal clear, the beginning of sorrows. There's no sorrow going on in Ukraine. And by the way, were those Russian soldiers too? who someone doesn't care for them just to accomplish what he wants. It's the spirit of Cain. He's going to murder anyone that gets in his way so that he can accomplish what he wants. He could care less. Being directed by the father of all lies in John 8, verse 44, the father of all lies, who said, just like that Antichrist, in 2 Thessalonians chapters 2, 2, verses 3, 4, and all the way through 11 and 12, who was going to be God himself, Satan, in Isaiah 14, 12 to 15, and using this man to try and accomplish his will. There's no question about it, and we are watching it be fulfilled. So, again, the door was in the side. There's a door of hope for Israel. Who do you suppose that is? That's Christ. In Revelations, the 19th chapter, in verses 11 to 16, as he comes back and we come back with him. And that's Revelations 1, 7. Behold, he comes with the clouds, and that simply means a multitude of us as his heavenly people and all those that died prior to the beginning of the church and all the angels, we come back. And there's so many, it blocks out the sun. That's Revelations 1 and verse 7. Behold, he comes with the clouds, and it says every eye will see him with the technology that we have today. Every eye will see him. And they which also pierced him, the nation of Israel, will wail because of him. Some will wail in hatred because he'll ruin all their foolish plans. Others in total repentance as brought out again in Revelations the 11th chapter, the 144,000, which, which are not the Jehovah's Witnesses, let's make that crystal clear, but who it is, is brought out in the scriptures very clearly, is the 12 tribes, 12,000 out of each tribe, you do the math, it's 144,000, and during that time, during the tribulation, they preach and teach Christ, and multitudes and multitudes will be will receive Christ then. They won't be a part of the church because the church is raptured. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, and 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. And you're wondering why all the scriptures, well, where do you think we get the word? (laughs) What should we preach? 
It's either opinions or chapter and verse that's brought out in Isaiah 28, verses 9 to 13. Who will he teach truth and who will he teach doctrine? Doctrine, them, Christians too, that are weaned from the breast. Start thinking on yourself. Start thinking and growing in Christ and growing up into him in Ephesians 4 and verse 15 to be a joint in 4.16 of Ephesians. It's brought out crystal clear. Crystal clear. We don't want to be the babies in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, 13 to 15. We want to be weaned from the, a- not even reaching the ABCs, by the way. The ABCs in foundational truth are brought out in the book of Ephesians. That's what many Christians miss. You know what they miss? You know what we miss when we don't trust him and submit our wills? The most intimate love flowing from our position into our experience. The devil hates intimacy. Can't touch position, so he goes after us. Just like he's going after these people. Ukraine. And don't think he's going to stop it. That will not stop until all those nations surround Israel and then we come back. (laughs) And Christ speaks the word. He speaks the word. He speaks it. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword. And he deals. And that same sword in Hebrews 4.12 that teaches us, separates us from self-conscious living in the flesh to bring us into spirit consciousness where he can, through our human spirit, bring in truths that are ours in Christ. That's brought out again in John 16, 13, and 14. And so God made a covenant with Noah. You know, every single covenant that God made has been ratified, sealed, and fulfilled in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God in Christ are what? Yay and finished. We agree. They're unconditional promises. Those that he gave to Noah, those that he gave to Abraham, meaning they do not change nothing. What we're looking at is going to stop God's plan, by the way. He's still in full control because ultimately, even this earth, Even this earth, in Psalm 24 and verse 1, is the Lord's. He created it once and then recreated it in Genesis, the first chapter, in those 31 verses there. And then in Genesis 2, 1 and 2, he rested. And that brings in the reality, even in type, of how everything is finished about you and I in Christ. You and I in Christ. So we see this again. We see it even here, and I'll read this. I believe it's Isaiah, in Isaiah 54 and verse 9. For, as, uh, for this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with you nor rebuke you. He's speaking to the nation of Israel. There's no wrath for us. The tribulation period speaks of wrath. There's none for us. That is John 3, verse 36. That is 1 Thessalonians 1.9. That's 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9. Again, this is what God's doing. He's adding line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. That's Isaiah 28, 9 to 13. And so he said, nor rebuke you in Isaiah 54 and verse 10, for the mountains will depart and the hills will be removed. This was brought out even in Zechariah 14, 1 through 4. And the hills will be removed. But my kindness, which has to do with grace and his mercy, will not depart from you, nation of Israel, neither will the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord, that has mercy on you. And again, 
So with Noah, God made this, made this covenant, but he kept male and female alive. This has to do with image. You know the image that God created in you as an individual to express himself in and through, through his son, in your male or female form. Period. Period. That keeps out a lot. Because, you know, again, even with, the, with natural science, right? Which is what? What is natural science? It's called the natural science, a science falsely called. That's 1 Timothy 6.20. And what is natural science that God considers to be completely false? Well, it's 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. You need to get born again and get taught. Otherwise, you come up with, a, with this stupid, the evolution of the species and all this nonsense. But just like natural science is still in the dark, as even the formation of the species. Even male and female. Even Christians living in a lie. Men living with men. Women living with men. Women. A lie against the very image of the creation of God himself. And then Satan robbing them of the deep, intimate desire of God to express himself through the image that he's created them in. This is what makes a very important proper image and position and identification. We're to never, as his church right now, to identify ourselves outside of Christ and him alone. Period. Period. We're never to do that. None of us. But they're in the dark. They're in the dark. And here's what I will read. I'll read this. What does it mean, the dark? The dark here literally speaks of Satan's kingdom. It speaks of his kingdom. Natural man is in the dark. He's under the influence of the enemy. Period. We all were in Ephesians 2, 1 through 4, but God, 2, 1 through 3, I should say. But then God in mercy gave us his son. First he initiated, then we with our free will for the first time experienced freedom by responding to the initiation of God's greatest gift that he could ever give an individual, his only son. His uniquely begotten one. In John 1, verse 14, and 1 in verse 18 of John. And so we see that darkness is this. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 22, if your eye be single, who's our only object? It's Christ. With the look away in Hebrews 12, 2, from all that would distract, unto Jesus. So if your eye is single, your whole body will be filled with what? Light. And who is light but Christ himself in John 8, 12? That's why in Ephesians 5.8 and 1 Thessalonians 5.5, we're children of the light. We're children of the light. But he said if, in Matthew 6 and verse 22, if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. If your eye be evil, your whole body will be filled with what? Darkness. And then it says in Matthew 6 and verse 23, if the light that be in you be darkness... How great is that darkness? I'll tell you how great it is. Because in the darkness and lie that the enemy is, in John 8, verse 44, he appears as an angel of light. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. And then he has his ministers. Who do you think is his minister going on in Russia right now? You think he's got him deceived? Through pride like he can do with any of us, without a question about it. So that's what it says. And I'm going to read this in Isaiah 
I believe it's 29, and, and if it's not, I'll be corrected quickly. Yes, in 29 and verse 15, it says, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel. The lies. Shut off all public access to the truth in Russia so he can continue with his lie and send multitude of their sons and daughters to slaughter, to accomplish his will. Woe to them that seek to hide their counsel from the Lord and their works as in the dark. Notice that? And, and they say, who sees us and who knows it? Really? <laughs> You'll see, and the answer to that is verse 16 of Isaiah 29. You see that? Then they call good evil in Isaiah 5 and verse 20. They call good evil and evil good. They put light for darkness, darkness for light. They put sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. Because in Isaiah 8 verse 20, there's no light dawning in them. For many, uh, in that terms of salvation in 2 Corinthians 4, 3, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. But so for the Christian that doesn't have teaching. They'll start calling good evil and evil good. Even resisting the truth. Mankind outside of Christ, constantly resisting the truth that Christ is. And again, he was filled up with all, in his humanity in John 1, verse 14, with all that grace and truth is. So we see these things clearly in the scriptures, clearly in the dark. And then that's why it says that in the dark. And then we go even what Jesus was saying back here. This is all in its, in its seed form right here. All in seed form right here. All these scriptures that we're reading. Here's John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the whole world. Why do you think he even sent the flood? That was love. That was grace. That was love and justice being satisfied as one. That's why you can't separate the two, the two and that's why the nonsense of universalism is, is an absolute lie. For the love of, for God so loved the whole world, world is massive, every human being, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, and you must believe in him to have your sins dealt with. Otherwise, they're not in John 8, 21 and 23 that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, and perish doesn't mean to be extinct, but be separated eternally, but have eternal life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the whole mass of humanity through him might potentially be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already. Why? God condemning him? No, he's self-condemned. The cause is self-condemnation of the enemy who's a liar. Because he has believed, because he has not believed in the name, the nature, and the accomplishment of Christ, of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. What is it? That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were what? Evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light. Seeing a lot of hatred in Satan's kingdom. Neither comes to the light, lest his deed should be reproved or literally discovered. That's why he lies. That's why he lies to his country, telling the mothers, your sons are doing a great work for Russia. Like hell they are. He's a liar. He shuts off all truth to keep them under his control. What do you think he, where do you think that comes from? 
Who seeks to control the Christian when they function in the flesh that they're not of in Romans 8, 9? Boy, this will give us some quick clarity to confess our sins, won't it? Without any condemnation in Romans 8, 1, but that we'll confess it in 1 John 1, 9, confessing Christ and what he's accomplished. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil and everyone that hates it, that does evil hates the light, neither comes to it, lest his deeds will be discovered. But he that does truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifest that there could only be wrought in God. They could only be that way. Unbelievable. They could only happen that way. And so we see this brought out again in Genesis 6, 5 and 8, 21, the evil of man, where man was and as a result of Genesis 3, 1 through 6, was, was evil brought into, and that's when men became flesh. But there's a new beginning. Even in the flood, it's a type of baptism. Old done away, out of it, new life. New life, even in brought out in that way. And God made that covenant. So natural science, under the influence of the enemy, under the influence of the enemy, is keeping... Those to be hid from the gospel that's in Christ alone. Alone. And then we're going to get into, we're going to get into the future of this. Seriously, we'll get into, and you and I together, we will know these countries right now and how they're being formed with Russia and China, 21 Arab nations with the old Roman Empire, which are 10 nations. This is all truth that's going to be brought out. But this, we need to, as we're getting this truth, to have our foundation com com completely built on in us as individuals to keep fear out. Because God has not given us the spirit of fear in 2 Timothy 1.7. But of power. Who's our power? Are we kept by the power in 1 Peter 1.5? Yes. Who's the power in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24? It's Christ. The power of God and the wisdom of God that keeps fear out while prophecy on the earth, while we're still here as heavenly people, prophecies being worked out on the earth. And we need to understand and also we need to be prepared for what is coming to America. Folks, the evil is not, it's, it's not waiting to come and be expressed. It is here right now in our country. Because what is going on there in Russia and Ukraine and other parts of this anti-Christ, anti-Jews and anti-Christ world system outwardly is going on in our country inwardly. Inwardly. You can be sure of that. Don't fall for the dummy stuff like it's this political thing, like certain men in power whether they're ignorant or whether they, they have a plan, which I think they do even more so, to keep hidden. <laughs> right? None of the, I don't think any of these things are accidents. I don't. There is no accidents with God. It's prophecy being fulfilled. And these are what's going to be brought up. And we're going to bring these things out. Now, even as we'll close, even as it is brought out, even in, and we'll see that, even in, Exodus, and some will misinterpret things, like you're not supposed to kill like war is not of God. Really. Now it says in Exodus 20 and verse 12, when it says you shall not kill, the, the, the proper word is rasak. 
R A T S A T A C H. Ratsak. And it means murder. You do not murder. You don't do anything outside the love and justice of God with those that are empowered to do it. Like, there wouldn't be so much crime in our country if what God instituted and has never changed in his government on earth, the death penalty. That's brought out in Genesis 9 and verse 6. How did God eliminate evil on the earth whose people's wills would never have been changed? Because it's brought out. How many went into the ark? Eight. How many really chose to go in there after 120 years of preaching? Eight. In the ark, type of Christ, above the waters of judgment. Okay? Again, Genesis is the beginning of time. Uh, Bereshit. Bereshit in the Hebrew. Bereshit. B-E-R-E. I'm trying to remember. I. S-H-E-E-T, Bereshit, that's beginning. Time began there, and God prepared the earth from what happened in Genesis 1-1. By the time you get to verse 2, there was a cataclysmic, chaotic thing that happened in eternity. And then time began as God began to recreate the earth. All these truths are in the Bible. They're very prophetic, too. And God wants us to know these truths about what's going on so that we function in our experience based upon our position. And our position is we above everything on the earth. Prophecy. Because Christ has done everything for us. And so, that being said, we will close this, this portion uh, this morning. But I am telling you, very soon we're going to get into Genesis, the 10th chapter. That's what's going to be next. And we're going to see the people groups, how they were formed, where they came from. And what they are right now as nations that all come together, that all come, it's been years, there's anti-Semitism for years, hatred of Israel, church history brings it out. Just as much right now going on in our country, the hatred for Christ. Listen, the enemy hates Christ in you and I. He can't touch our position, but he'll go after our experience. So we won't have in our own individuality the intimate love exchange of God's love for us through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. These truths, listen, in all these truths, guess whose they are? They're all ours. They're mine is just as much as yours. They're yours is just as much as my, mine because we're all one in Christ. He's our peace. Ephesians 2 verse 14. And I make this clear. The only scholar and theologian that there is, is God the Holy Spirit. No man, no man can do these things properly. And even if he can do it in the summation of a declarative statement without an experience, it's still not imparting life. So Father, we, we thank you so much for Christ. God, we have you as our Father in, in John 20, verse 17, in, in Romans 8, 15 and 16. And you, we have you, you've given us your Son, and you've given us the precious Holy Spirit to dwell within us. Father, thank you so much for these eternal truths in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen.